I am unashamed. What about you? So we're back. Uh, unashamed podcast. We we did some pretty good rabbit chasing on our last podcast. We start. We thought we were going to get to Hebrews eleven, but you took us on a long journey. It all started with a golf bag. You got to understand the theme. Well, <laughs> oh. that's true. That's true. I mean, so a lot. No, the danger great, it, of going verse by verse a lot of times is you lose the context in the situation. And the next thing you know, you're arguing over things that was not the intent. I mean, that's a great point. But Hebrews 11, I mean, Al, what's our synopsis of the book of Hebrews? What did we go with? First 10 chapters, you would say, Jesus yeah, is better first, than any other Jesus system. Is better. And I would say these last, when you get to 11, 12, and 13, basically, he's like, now that we know Jesus is better, let me just show you how much better he really is. So it kind of, to me, it kind of gets personal. But what's interesting is he starts that out with this concept of faith when he gets to chapter 11. But then he just goes down the old walk through memory lane about these great people that trusted in Jesus before they ever knew about him, which is yeah. kind of the whole point. So, you know, that was the, I would say, kind of the shadow aspect of it that's come, come to this point. Now he's going to actually name names. And well, that's right. where we get into these guys. Well, know, he speak. actually quoted that Habakkuk in, uh, is that how you say that? Habakkuk. Yep, Habakkuk. In Hebrews 10. That's a verse- good name you don't hear people name anymore. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Good <laughs> luck that with that. Catch on. But he quoted <laughs> him in 10, 37, and 38 because he said the righteous will live by faith and we shouldn't shrink back. And so then he's like, Okay, let me explain faith, which, look, I'm telling you, yeah, we've been talking about it for about seven or eight podcasts, but I think it's needed because it is, I think a lot of people tend to think, especially non-believers, this is just faith is just some, like, you know, buying a lottery ticket and hoping it, hoping you win. That's not yeah. faith. Think about it. You're, you're reading through the list of the Hall of Faith and you know God is merciful when he just threw in by faith the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient. I mean, he's protecting prostitutes in right. the, under, under the, the uh, gist of faith, what it is. Yeah. So, you know, this thing about, you know, you know just for certain select group and all now, it, it it comes down between. And it's so funny you said that, Phil, because I read because I read these commentaries sometimes just to see what they think. Well, you're saving and, uh, prostitutes. Well, yeah, that was one of them. One of the guys, and like, I mean, I I, I didn't. I know what it. you're gonna say. Yeah. Well, they so they they look at the Hebrew word when she was referenced in Genesis. Yep. And. It could be the word in Hebrew could be like innkeeper or hostess. So they're like, you know, not necessarily. The problem is this this Greek word used <laughs> yeah. in Hebrews. Oh, it's a process. Prostitute. It's a lady of the evening. Yep. And that makes <laughs> people right. feel uncomfortable. And I don't know why, because I'm like, well, Jesus himself, how many times did he? I mean, you remember the woman in uh, John eight, which they say, well, in some of the manuscripts that that wasn't yeah, there. Yeah. Then you He's got not Luke, that forgiving. You, then you got Luke fifteen. I'm like, why do we have? Why do people have a problem with just inserting their performance into the grace of God? It's and, just and that's yeah. the problem. It's it's our salvation is not built on that. It's yeah. built on grace. It's better, way better. Yeah, the person who wrote most of the New Test New Testament, his sin was killing Christians. Yeah, plus it that's alleviate. about as bad as it gets. So, and and and, and it alleviates the thought is that it's impossible because you can be so sinful that you say, well, not, if you look carefully. I mean, it, it makes I mean, people uncomfortable, and I get it. And uh, I mean, you know, and you take it to the extremes. Where you got people locked up in prison for the most heinous crimes, and you say, "What do you do?" Well, you preach Jesus to them, 
And there are consequences for that, and there are reasons to hate these type of people and the sins they committed. But you got to remember, it's our job to share Jesus. That's the only truly transforming thing that can happen to a person as far as, you know, forgiveness and a new beginning. I mean, it's just the truth. Samson got into a, you know, a hair detail. I mean... uh... (laughs) <laughs> well, Samson was peculiar, but look, I mean, you know, I know we're going to look at these in detail, Al, but I mean, I thought about this Jephthah. I don't know if y'all, did y'all name Jep after this guy? We did. But you know, when you think about his story, I believe I have this one right. I mean, I didn't research it, but wasn't he the one that he prayed to God that said, if you'll deliver me in this battle, the first thing that comes out of my house when I get back, yep. he was probably thinking about a lamb or a goat. I will give as a as a sacrifice. Sacrifice. Well, then his daughter walked out. I mean, this you, when you read about Jacob and Esau, that was dumb. You and I kind of defended him just because I not that it wasn't a dumb thing to do to sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. But I've done a lot of dumb things before when I was hungry, you know, and I mean, I get it. It was a dumb thing. But now this here makes that look like nothing. That's right. <laughs> of course, a lot That's of the Bible scholars, because they have trouble wrapping their head around it, say, well, he, you know, he probably didn't actually sacrifice his daughter, but just like sent her to a convent or whatever where she couldn't marry or, you know, it was. But I mean, that that's what that's what these commentaries Say, and my only point is say, we don't have to come to an agreement with what actually happened. We realize one thing God's grace is deep. Oh, because all these people look have a problem, but guess what? I got a news flash. All these people doing this podcast, we got our set of problems and issues, and and everybody listening, the we're sinners, and God's grace is what corrects that, and He uses flawed people. To, to spread the news of his son. I mean, that that's just the way it is. Yep. Well, and it's actually one of the greatest uh, um, tenets of truth about the entire Bible because what other stories is t- would be told, especially in a religious world of any kind, where the heroes of uh, the, your story and your book are so flawed? I mean, yeah. Nobody would sh- nobody would do that. I mean, well, you surely know, like God's Jesse not going to save all them people out there, sinners. Whoever's pointing the finger, their guilt is charged as along with anybody else. Yeah, we all I mean, need look redemption. At, look at King David. You know, I mean, one of the greatest you know people in the entire Bible. He did all these amazing things, but he also did some of the most terrible things. Oh, you know, just that were horrible. Part of his life. Even Noah, terrible. you know, post flood, you would think yeah. you're like what. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but. exactly. But to dad's point, that's why they're in here. Um, and, you know, I talked earlier on the podcast, we're down to in 21 and 22 of chapter 11. And we talked about Jacob and Esau that Jace mentioned before. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, Jace, I wanted to mention that I left out when we talked about Jacob is I didn't mention that he had a dream in Genesis 28. And dad, you'll love this because, uh, it, it, the dream was a stairway to heaven. Which, yeah, we've uh, talked about old, that before. Yeah. <laughs> with your old pals, Led Zeppelin, you know, made a song yeah. called that. But, uh, what was amazing was, so in that dream, um, you know, God reaffirms his promise that he made to Abraham about the land. Cause where Jacob was when he was sleeping, had this dream, he was like, this land is the land that's going to you know, be, be here for the people, but this was all going to happen in the future. And the reason I want to bring that up is because when we get to Joseph in, in 22, who was one of Jacob's sons, um, he is a dreamer. I mean, he's got this same, but he, he, his dreams are even deeper. I mean, God is communicating to him and, but the, he's only a teenager and like most teenagers who are gifted in whatever it is, they probably don't have the maturity and how to handle that giftedness. Have you noticed that? Whether it's athletes or yeah. they get a little bit cocky when they're good at something. And and I think that was part of Joseph's makeup, which is kind of interesting. Let me read what it says in in the Hebrews. And then I want to go back and talk a little bit about it, Joseph's life. Because in my opinion, Joseph 
is one of the most interesting stories in the in the entire Bible. But before you and read, he has a lot uh, dedicated to him too, as well. Go ahead. Before you read that, I was just going to make a point. I made this, you know, probably a hundred podcasts ago. But you know, you brought up about that Jacob's dream, the stairway to heaven, and I think what's significant of that story is in the way God uses those stories and the way Jesus did to connect all the dots through you know, thousands of years of history, is that you remember when Jesus called uh, Philip and Nathaniel. It was one of my favorite uh, interactions in the entire Bible. Oh, Nathaniel was up under a fig tree. And, you know, when Jesus came, this is in John one forty three, he found Philip, you know, he said, follow me. And then Philip, like Andrew and Peter was from the town of Bethsaida and Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, you know, talking about Jesus. And remember, you remember what, what uh, Nathaniel, he was like, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? You know, I mean, he was like, ain't no way this is the son <laughs> of God. So he's having right. some faith issues and so he said, come and see, which is actually the hat. That's why I'm doing it. Actually, the hat I wore, and I had no idea that I, I get, you know, because the Chosen did a bit about that, you know. Because yeah. he's like, because what, what a, that's really reaches everybody. Because when, when people question faith or religion, you're like, come check Jesus out. Come check him out. So he does, but he don't believe he's the son of God. And so, so then, uh, when when Nathaniel said, well, how do you know me? Because Jesus said, well, here's a true Israelite in him. There's nothing false. And he said, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Well, he probably thought he was alone. And you said, what's this got to do with Jacob's dream? Because, look, you're making the implication. And I got this from McGuigan, which so I'm, you know, I, I feel pretty confident about it. So it wasn't that he saw him under the tree. He then told him what he was thinking about. And what he was thinking about was that stairway to heaven because he said, Nathaniel declared, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. And that's where he gets that reference because that was the quote yeah. from what he saw. So he was basically bridging the gra the uh, bridging that gap saying, you know that stairway? I am that stairway. Mm -hmm. I I'm the ladder to heaven. And uh, so I just think when you read these stories in Hebrews 11, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, he had, a, he had a dream. He was wrestling with God, you know, and he saw a, he saw a stairway. Well, Jesus is the stairway. By the way, yeah. that's basically what he says, Jace, of God's love of the world. He sent Jesus. Whoever believes in him, puts faith in him, won't, won't perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's what Hebrews 11 and 12 and then there's all talking about. But to save the world through him. Yeah. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Lights come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Well, the Hebrew writer's exposing all these sinful things that happened in the hall of faith crowd. Yeah. For yeah. whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that what may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Basically, he's saying, look, don't ever tell me you're too sinful to be saved. Yeah. Just read... Read what I've what I've told you about that. Well, it's a struggle that we all saved. that we all go through. We all go through it. <clears throat> we need a break. So, yeah, let's take a break. I guess one of the most uh, fun uh, sponsors that we have to talk about to me is fun because uh, because guys hardly ever talk about this is uh, is underwear. And uh, there's a company called Tommy John, which I've been a huge fan of for for many years. 
and uh, was t- was telling Jason Dad about it, but you know, it's like who's going to bring up underwear? But I was like, you got to try this underwear. Well, now they're our sponsors, and so they sent some for uh, Jason Dad to try it. And you both agree, right? Great underwear, best you Great. ever had. Fantastic. Seventeen million pairs have been sold, so there's a lot of other people that love it. And they don't have just underwear; they have very comfortable loungewear as well, pants and shirts, uh, shorts uh, that I love to wear. Is and you know, it's always my go-to. Uh, when I just want to be comfortable around the house. And look, they've got a best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guaranteed. Meaning if for whatever reason you don't like them, they'll send your money back. So you've got nothing to lose. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Phil, and they're going to give you 20% off your first order. So you're going to save some money and try a great uh, pair of underwear. 20% off, and that's men or women. Uh, 20% off right now, TommyJohn.com slash Phil. That's TommyJohn.com slash Phil. See their site for details. Um, well, no, that's I, a great point. Well, I hijacked your, uh, your thought, but I just, you know, it, I think when you read these stories in Hebrews 11, they just seem like names on a page. But then when you think about how those stories of faith were used, even in Jesus's ministry, because, you know, here you revealed something that we all have dreams. When you think about how much, how much we talk about dreams. I mean, especially Phil, you've had some of the craziest dreams I've ever heard, and, and somehow you you remember them. Miss <laughs> Kay says the same thing. She tells me I, yeah. I I I jump around on the bed. I mean, you know, I, I'm. Well, how would it feel? I, I'm running. I'm all hanging by one arm on a cliff. I mean, there's a ten thousand foot drop. I mean, I, I it goes through my head all the time. Yeah. I get up swinging, knocking around, Miss Kay. Ah! She hollers. I calm down, you know. Yeah. I said, "Well, what was I saying?" She says, "It was unintelligible. I couldn't. I, I. It was just." So what I'm saying is, what would happen to you if you read about somebody's dream? It, you are under a tree by yourself, just reading, and then a guy walks up who says, "You know the the story you were reading about the dream that happened a couple thousand years before, or however long it was." That was me. You're like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he, what he did. And I just thought, you talk about a fascinating. And by the way, <laughs> to add to that, Jace, that's the same picture you see, speaking of dreams and revelation, uh, that John got in Revelation. You know, this idea yeah. that Jesus was the bridge to the other realm. And you have angels there and then there's, but now that the, he's paints a picture of their, the people of God are there as well. And you're right. It's fascinating that we go all the way back, way back to Genesis 28. And I already described to you Jacob's life. I mean, his name meant deceiver. Mm-hmm. And so he hadn't got to that tipping point yet, which happened for him later. And yet he got to look at the vision of Jesus Oh, Even just, where he was. It's so it, it's, a, it's, it's so exciting to me. I mean, to me, this is what I love about the Bible and getting down deep in the weeds of it all. Because you see things like this, and it's just hard to describe that to a person who doesn't believe that, like, one day I'm reading my Bible, and I'm reading what somebody thinks about it, and I'm connecting these dots. Because when he gets to chapter 12 and gets real practical, when he's like, all right, so we're surrounded by all these witnesses we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Well, it's a lot easier for me to do that when I realized that he called Nathaniel and he went back to Jacob's dream and there's a rock song out there talking about the stairway to heaven. And I'm like, <laughs> you really want to know about that song that guy sang? It, it, it's the basis of where he had that crazy idea. And I don't even know what that song's about. But oh, yeah. I know the reality of it that here's Jesus coming and saying, I'm the stairway and I'm on the same earth that you're on. I was here. It's documented. It's a historical fact. And that is the bridge to bring me to God and where I can live forever. Well, I mean, that's just, that's one of the most exciting things I've ever pondered on. Which Which by the way, to stay in that theme of John, that's why Jesus said before Abraham was born, I am. Because he's always been here. I mean, yeah. this idea that only be, when he became a human. No, he, he's been around. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which yeah. is pretty powerful as well. All right, um, go back to Joseph. Sorry. Okay. 
No, that's all right. That was a good. See, that's a good rabbit, Jace. I like it when you. Well, go down it's a just hole. that's one of the things I got. I mean, it's just to me that if I was a new believer or whatever, and I ran up on, I mean, it would just be so encouraging. It, it would make me feel more firm in my faith, knowing how much this is really connected over thousands of years to bring God's scheme of redemption to light. Well. I'm glad I remembered to bring it up because I'd left it out when we were talking about Jacob last time because it really was a huge deal. I believe somehow that was probably linked. So I told you the story. So so Jacob winds up marrying four women, and he really only loved one of them, which, by the way, is another great reason to not have polygamy because (laughs) it's just a bad situation. That's another (laughs) sign of... God I mean, uses us despite I, I'm our to one, but I can't. I, I can't even fathom being <laughs> three more come along. Exactly. Well, so what could happened be Solomon? Was, I mean, yeah, a thousand, a thousand. Yeah. And and if you want to know how how he fared with that, go read Ecclesiastes. That's well, a, it's kind of depressing. Read. I think that's one of the most <laughs> misunderstood <laughs> verses ever. It They're is. like, well, he didn't like women. Hey, look, marriage is tough. You marry a thousand women? That's impossible. Miss Kay always That's says right. to me, she says, you know, if I die, you know, there's going to be some women come after you. I said, let me tell you something, honey. I said, one is enough for me. One, you. I said, I'm not going down that road again, ever. I said, you so, can rest so easy he, on that. I said, I don't care. Well, she I know looks she like a hundred million dollars. I'm out. Nope. Phil put, a dead end, Phil put a dead end sign on his road. That's it. <laughs> Don't call him if Miss Kay goes on to the, That's her it. reward. So um, anyway, so he's got 12 sons. But since he really only loved deeply one of the wives, Rachel, so two of the sons, which had to be the two youngest one because she was barren for a long time, uh, are the ones he favored. You know, and so Joseph was that next to the last one, which probably so, wouldn't be right. I mean, you know, you're supposed no. to like treat them all the same, right? <laughs> it, well, exactly. I mean, it was it was a bad situation. And look, what's interesting is I believe. See how this backbiting and negativity in this family as they're getting older. So now Joseph's a teenager. Well, his brothers are quite a bit older than him because they've been around for a while. Well, guess what? They hate his guts. And, and it's and like you said, Jace, not that that's right, but it's kind of understandable why they don't like him so much. I mean, he's doted on. He can't do anything wrong. I mean, he's I mean just, you know. He, no offense, but me and my brothers, there was a time where if I would have looked up and, and someone said, your brothers, they've sold you out of the family, <laughs> it wouldn't have shocked me. <laughs> and I, I concur that if anybody would have been sold into slavery out of us, we would have sold Jace because he's always been the, the most different of yeah. the four. But, but so anyway, so what happens is he has, he's having these dreams and they're coming from God and they're prophetic. So he's able to like, he's looking into the both near and far future. And the first ones he has are his brother's, bowing down to him. Well, you know, I I told you before about the quote when the guy says, what happens when your life exceeds your dreams? And the guy tells him, keep it to yourself. This is one of those situations. (laughs) This is one of those situations where, you know, I mean, he didn't know any better. He's he's 17 years old. Well, he tells his brothers, you know how that goes over? Not well. And so now they're like, we got to do something. So so they were going to kill him. They just decided they were well, going to murder. There's always a cover up when you do something terrible, and then the cover up. That how long did the cover up last? Years. Years. Yeah, that's exactly. But right. they were actually now it, you're going down a road, which is what what sinful behavior and sinful decisions. That's how it happens. Plus, there's a lot of friction. I've noticed among families worldwide, a lot of friction. Yeah, because we're all flawed. I mean, it's just where so, you have flaws, you have these kind of situations. And, and I would the say way, just, a lot of friction, but I would say within our family structure, it's been amazingly calm and peaceful. I would just well, say. Well, I, I was actually going to bring that up, Dad, because, you know, like Jay said, we fought when we were young. But, you know, as brothers now, we're all adults. We're all patriarchs of our own family. Everybody except Jeff has grandchildren. And but the one thing that we kept solid through the whole process was that we weren't jealous of each other. You know, it, it didn't that's, matter. That is and correct. We had it. 
we had every opportunity to be jealous because we had a national television show. Some people are making more money than others. But through the whole process, I just remembered that I want my brothers to be successful. And yeah. I, I think that bond is what held us together through everything we've done in our lives that we would never wind up like this crew did. Anyway, you slice it, Al, uh, uh, the, the Robertson clan, you're the oldest. Jay's right underneath you, Willie, Jeff. Everybody, in my humble opinion, has done remarkably well while they've been on earth as far as financially, spiritually. I, I'd say, you know, boys, I tell you what, you're, you're not all family groups could say that. Well, I, I, and I'm serious. Let's, let's take a break. I'm wearing the uh, uncanceled T-shirt. These are uh, these are all merchandise uh, from our show, uh, from Unashamed Nation, which now not only has Romans one sixteen, but it has Hebrews eleven sixteen. Thanks to Jay's, uh, and there's a lot of great merch that's uh, on the website. If you go to unashamedmerch.com, uh, love always protects T-shirts. You got the mugs, you got hats, you got shirts. Uh, also, if you use the code unashamed ten, you're going to get ten percent off. So that's a good deal at unashamedmerch.com. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, which we want more of you to be so you can get that unashamed overtime, you're going to get 20% off the gear when you use the uh, the code Blaze Sub. So check these guys out. Uh, we, we love to be able to let the world know that we're unashamed. And so uh, grab some of our merch at unashamedmerch.com. I contribute that Dad, to a lack of jealousy because jealousy is a very dangerous gateway sin that usually leads to a lot of problems. And you or see envy. most, you know, that James, envy. James right. three sixteen, depending on your translation says for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I mean, just think about that statement. Yeah. You can trace it back somewhere where it all went off the rails to selfish ambition or envy. Those are powerful, powerful, destructive qualities that lead you in into sin, you know, and, and, and then cover up and whatnot. So wasn't it, is it in Peter somewhere, first or second Peter, when he said, do not show favoritism? Am I getting that right? I'm not sure exactly where that is, think, but there's a verse that says, do not James. Or maybe that's what it is, James. Well, um, well, you have several that says God does not show favoritism. But right. Yeah, I can't I, remember exactly where it is. I'll but the concept, the concept when you think about it is what led to the jealousy here was favoritism, which is why the Bible tells us don't do that either, because that just sets, a, you know, the, the I guess the recipe for the disaster that happened to this family. But again, back to the point of Jace, your overarching point that God is always in control. God's going to use this whole situation and all this sinful situation to bring about his plan, because the whole point was to get Joseph to Egypt, because that's where that's where the nation of Israel was going to be born, was in Egypt. And so to do that, this whole process played out in the lives of these people. So while you're looking up that verse, I'll tell you the rest of the story. So Joseph, they, they, the oldest one, which is always the oldest son that at least has a little bit of wisdom, uh, which that's true in most families. But the oldest son says, we, look, we're not, let's don't kill him because that would kill our dad if we killed him. So let's just sell him into slavery. And so that's, so that's what happens. They went up selling him into slavery, which was, I guess some could argue it was as bad as death because now he's off to some foreign country and he's just a teenage boy. I mean, he's only, you know, 17 years old at the time. Yeah, it was, James, it? It was James. It was James 2, 1, where it says, Brothers, as believers yeah. in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Of course, then he tells a story yeah. about somebody coming in with shabby clothes. And, of course, right, you right, know, right. we're, we're – but you do it in families and in restaurants. Yeah, it. and, and, look, I'm – I get embarrassed sometimes when, because as famous people, we we get shown favoritism at times. I mean, the, I told right. you when I was on vacation, I went to this restaurant. We pulled up. I'd already felt like I'd got a sign from God that that's where we need to eat because everybody I asked where to go, they're like, "Go down here." And so when we get there, they're like, "Well, you'll it'll be an hour wait." I was like, "Okay, that's fine." And so when I went back through, the girl who was doing the uh, 
whatever the the, the reservation hostess. yeah the the hostess she said oh wait are you Jace from Duck Dynasty and I was like yeah and uh, she's like well I mean can I have a picture I was like sure one minute later. My my thing went off for my tables ready. She said it's going to be an hour. It's about ten minutes, and it was a minute. After, and I thought, ooh, of course I went and took it. But still, you know, <laughs> I, I thought, oh, if maybe it didn't make me feel bad. You know what I mean? Just because she recognized me, we got and Missy's like, what happened? And I said, I think we just got bumped up in the batting order. I was like, should we just say no? And Missy's like, what are you, crazy? And I thought, well. <laughs> You're <laughs> not I, showing favoritism. <laughs> oh, I knew there was a verse in the Bible. Well, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because it's like yeah, cause people you. there who were, who were coming in before me, they're like, well, how'd he get bumped up? Yeah. So I didn't know what to do about that. I mean, I'm confessing uh, my just sins so, here. Go yeah. sit down and eat. I don't think you sin. Um, but anyway, so favoritism has set the stage. He's sold into slavery. And so what happens is he, he winds up getting more dreams that predict a famine that are going to eventually get, you know, the people in his people into Egypt. But a couple of things happened that I wanted us to talk about today because I just found them fascinating. Um, the first one was he was he wound up in a he, he obviously was gifted. And so he winds up, you know, being in Potiphar's house, which Potiphar was a high up official in Egypt. So, you know, this guy was a big, big deal at the time. Cause he was right there. He was Pharaoh's right hand man. And so he winds up being in his service and he does so well. And there's something about him. Obviously he has the favor of God on him. He's getting these dreams. And so, so Potiphar recognizes that and puts him in charge of everything. Now, remember he's a teenage boy. I mean, m maybe a little bit of time has passed, but he's not that old. And he puts him in charge of everything. Well, the problem is, the, the Bible says in Genesis 39, 6, he was well-built and handsome. And then the master's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, took notice of him, was the way it put it. And then for days and weeks after, she pleaded with him to go to bed with her. So here he is. He's th Imagine this. Now, he's a young buck. Which is a hard good position looking. to put a young – I mean, you said a young boy. I, I, I would say young man. He's a teenager. I mean, yeah. Yeah, a young man. Yeah, correct. But but so right. So he's so think about it though. He's in this position. He's you know she's the the his boss's wife, and look, she's probably had this situation before. This this isn't her first rodeo, I would guess. This is the first time Joseph showed up because you know Potiphar's not there, and so she's sleeping with the help. That's what's happening, and everybody probably knows it, including Potiphar. But, you know, he has every reason to do this and be justified in his own mind because she's the boss and, you know, I'm a young man and she's she may or may not have been a good looking woman. But you know what he said, which was incredible? He tells her, he says, my master has put me in charge of everything in this house uh, except for you because you're his wife. Now, this is a teenage young man that has figured this out. And then he says, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? which now we're getting into why we're reading about him in Hebrews, because as a young man who was, who had this going on, had every reason to do the wrong thing. He just said no. And so dad, you mentioned this a few podcasts back. So she grabs him one day and says, Oh, you're going to bed with me right now. And well, he left his if, coat. Oh, if you have a, when you said whether she was good looking, there's no doubt she was good. You don't get in that position in That's that true. day. Unless you're fine and, and you're used to having whatever you want. And, and when you have selfish ambition like that, then whatever you supposedly can have, well, that's what you got to have. I mean, look, our society, th this is, we're getting into what's going, this is replaying itself thousands of times today. And so I think that was the driving force. I mean, look, I remember when I was dating and the finest looking girl that I ever pursued. I actually, when it, when I got to have the conversation, 
Well, she was nothing like I thought, even though she, no, she is fine. But I mean, she just was not a likable person. And so then I was like, oh, I'm out. Well, she didn't seem interested in me until I said, I'm out. But she was the type of young woman who you don't say I'm out to because nobody said I'm out. So then she started pursuing me. Then she started scaring me. Cause, so I, I get it because it's like the greatest thing I could have done to win her affection was to say, I'll never be with you, which is eventually what I said. If it was me and you and the population of the planet depended on that. She couldn't believe that. I'm going solo and dying <laughs> off into the sunset. It ain't going to happen. Yep. So you it. You went. You went to the. If you're the last woman on earth, I mean, that's pretty scorched well, earth. That was hang my on, let's, Hang on. Let's let's take a break. But what I'm saying is that actually, well, I thought any woman on the planet, once you make that illustration, that's it. You know, their feelings are hurt. Oh no, that was like pouring gas on a fire. Yep. And uh, so I learned my book because I, when I read that story, I realized that's what you got going on here. I, I think yep. obsession happened then. You don't tell right. me no. I run this place, and the, I'm giving and you the young books that have fallen victim to that. They are a mighty throng. I'm saying you line yep. a thousand guys up in this situation, and there's probably going to be about 995 of them that are going to say, "Let me, let me take a look under that there blanket." Yeah. So <laughs> that's just the truth. Al. That's true. Yeah. That was a, a reference to the outlaw Josie Wells. Josie Wells. Yeah. If you don't know what that reference was, yeah. you got to watch the movie if you're going to listen to this yeah. podcast. So you're right, Jace, and I hadn't thought about that, but but you're right. It made him more alluring because he said no, because he didn't. Exactly. So, yeah. so she tried to force the issue. He runs off literally out of the house with his coat in her hands. Which was bad because so, now you have evidence. She has evidence because these people, so now, get, when you take on that kind of situation, that's why it's so difficult. Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. it, it's in our society even. I mean, it, it is just a lot of businesses and people in power they use people wanting to be successful and to move up the ladder as a way to exploit them. Yep. And especially sexually and especially usually it's the other way around with men, you know, towards women from what I understand. But in this case, it was actually a woman trying to take advantage of a, it's happened before of a young male employee. You know, that's right. And then, and of course, if you'll, the bottom line is if you'll sleep with the hell, then you'll also lie which is what she does. She, she goes to Potiphar and she says, look, this, this person you brought into our house, he tried to rape me. Oh yeah. Now she's going to pay him back. How much does now that happen in our society? I mean, it, you know, yeah, all, all you need is an accusation. I mean, that's right. So, but here's my, here's my take. I, I think Potiphar, because if, if they had followed what would have been the law in that day, or even just the common tradition, he would have been killed for that. If, if Potiphar believed him, he dies. Oh yeah. So well, let's face it. Potiphar knows his wife. He's probably, uh, you know, not being a floozy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you so imagine how what, many times that played out in their relationship? That's right. The reason why I think that's true is because, Potiphar takes Joseph and puts him in the king's prison. Now, remember, this isn't just some place down here with a riffraff. This is where people go that are in the court. So he put him in a place of protection, I believe. And you say, well, what's the difference? You're in prison. Well, I mean, he's already, you know, enslaved to these people. So, you know, one place is good as another. When he winds up in there, well, again, he's talented. He rises to the top. And he runs up on these two guys and and basically interprets their dreams. Word gets back to Pharaoh, and that's how he gets the opportunity. But here's my point. Thirteen years go by in all this process. And it finally gets to a point to Joseph at some point in prison where he's like questioning, well, is this is this it? Is this because he he loves God, obviously. But he went through this process for 13 years before he got the opportunity to finally get before Pharaoh and interpret his dreams about what was going to happen to Egypt. And they turned out to be true. 
And so all that led to a process. And then when we get to Hebrews, I want to read what the Hebrew writer said, because it's interesting. He only mentions the end of his life in verse 22. He says, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And then here's an interesting little caveat and gave instructions about his bones. And this goes back to that idea of promise, Jace, because it, the reference there is talking about Genesis 50, 25, when Joseph was about to die, he made the people around him promise that when they left and went and, and to the promised land that was promised way back to his you know, grandfather, great-grandfather, Abraham, that they took his bones with them. And if you read in Exodus 13, 19, that's exactly what they did. Moses made sure they dug up Joseph's bones when they were going into the promised land and to take them with him. So I just thought that was really interesting that here was this guy who winds up being second in charge of all of Egypt because he got these amazing dreams and visions. But he was like, I believe so much in the promise of God that when the time comes, you dig me up and you make sure you take my bones to that place. You know, but he had spent most of his life in Egypt. That's he got there when he was that's 17. That's a lot of faith. <laughs> that's a lot of faith. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? Because yeah. you know how long he was He was in Egypt? Uh, he lived to be 110. He was in Egypt for almost 100 years. You would think he would consider that to be home, but it wasn't. No. Home was where the promise of God was, which I've always been fascinated. He had the wild that, women. He had it all. But he said, no. Nah. No, that's not what I'm going to do. I Let's take our last what... break. I think that's where they got the idea in Lonesome Dove, you know, when they're carrying the bones. Uh, remember that in the movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. That's what, hey, you always, See, Hollywood, you always go back to the Bible and it's some, somebody has an idea. Cause it's it, one cause, of my favorite, it's, it's one of my favorite lines when he, because the, the, there's a whole hour of him like getting him there and he, he's in the rivers and he almost loses him and oh, yeah. you know, the Indians are after him and he goes all the way from Montana to Texas. Yeah. And when he gets there and he buries him, he's sitting there and he's, you know, he's crying, oh, Woodrow. And he says, well, I guess that'll teach me. Yeah, you not tell to a man give your word. <laughs> not to give your word. <laughs> well, that's one thing. So it was it was yeah. based on a promise. That's why I brought it up. But that's why I always I, kind of rip Holly. You know the Hollywood movies. He was given instructions about because well, people people bones. people gripe about you know the lack of godly values in Hollywood movies. But you got to remember they're already have a problem because all their influence in movies ends with the end and that's the difference between what they're selling and what god is selling yep so it, it's just beginning when you die and i think that was i mean i just think it was a shadow of you know the promised land and what it represents as far as a new heaven and a new earth you know for us in the resurrection also, I mean, because I said you could read all these stories and you could add a phrase in each one. It's not over. This is not now, over. It, since you brought it up, it's also the last scene in Lonesome Dove. You remember when Woodrow, after he delivered, after he buries him, he goes back to their ranch. Remember the, the dove, what was it, Morning Dove Ranch, whatever the, the ranch was called. Yep. And he goes back there and then some reporters there and he says, you know, he's asking these questions, and of course, you know Woodrow. He didn't say much about it. And he says he they went say down he to U Valley. He went down to that little little town yeah. in Texas first before he right. went back. Right. That's yeah. where that's the what, reporters stopped him. Yeah, and the reporter says they say you had a vision, and he kind of stops, and you know, and then in his mind, the audience gets to see what happened to all those people he left with, and most of them died mm -hmm. along the journey, including Gus. And he and he kind of tears up, and he says, "Yeah, I had a vision." And then that was it. And so, but the whole thing was he was back to where he began, but this whole journey that we got to go along, which by the way, greatest thing ever made on television, in my opinion, was long. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, that's it, good. It, it was good. It's, if that's something else you've never watched, you better go back and, and watch Lonesome Dove because it's really I mean, really, while really we're good. plugging uh movie, we actually watched a movie that the other night that was good. It was shocking. And I picked it. 
because they we were all together as a family. And they're like, <laughs> which is said, also shocking. Well, they said let's watch a movie, and I said, do what? Why would we want to ruin this perfectly great vacation with watching a movie? <laughs> And then everybody kind of said, yeah, that's right. I said, but let's look. We hadn't watched the movies alone. And so they were throwing out movies, you know, and uh, they were throwing out like Jurassic Park. And I was looking, I was like, no. I mean, because it, it, it was, it, no. And so I, I found one and I'm like, I got, I got one. And it was called 13 Lives. And it was based on a true story. First of all, it's PG-13, which that was a prerequisite for me. Uh, yep. It was based on a true story. And I, and it was rated high, whatever the rating thing I was looking at. And it was like a 7.8 out of 10. I was like, I got it. Of course, they were like, no, I mean, what is that about? And I was like, this is it. I mean, I really sold it. I was like, I'm telling you, this is, this is going to be good. Cause, uh, and what the director was Opie. On uh, from Barney, uh, oh, yeah. Barney, oh, yeah. uh, Andy Griffith, yeah, Ron Howard. I was like, he he usually makes pretty good movies. He so does. Uh, we watched it. Fantastic! It's great. Thirteen lies. What, what Go is it watch about? it. I mean, I'm I'm I don't even I don't have I, a don't dog. tell the movie. But I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell the movie. It's a true no. story. So so you don't want to know. The least you know about okay. the movie, the better. And uh, look, it was so funny because we get to the end of the movie. I'm literally on the edge of my seat the entire time. It, it was fantastic. And uh, my son Cole says, well, you know what's crazy? I, I Googled this and everybody, I mean, there's like my whole family simultaneously goes, whoa, 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 whoa. don't you say a word, you know, because we all knew it was a true story. But we thought he was like, I wasn't going to tell how the movie it's gonna end, but the the <laughs> fact that he was doing research, I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to be reminded. I don't. I just want you to sit there and eat popcorn and watch this to the end and don't say a word. It was a really, <laughs> it was a really good movie. So if you're you're needing some family time, it, I mean, Jason, I just don't. Like, I don't see many that I can recommend. There may be two cuss that, words in the whole movie. I hate that there's two, but there probably is. But overall, there's no. It's a family viewing watch true stories it sounds like to me you were the star of this vacation because you insisted they go to the good place to eat they didn't want to go yep. you insisted they watch the movie it was excellent and you kill roaches for the entire vacation yeah i mean Al, you, should, get, this you should be the mvp what's funny is they actually brought that up they're like <laughs> you have made a series of good calls on this vacation so for once in my life I was like, yes, I picked a good movie. People like me right now. So, but that's a dangerous uh, road to go down when you start recommending movies. Oh yeah. But yeah. I, if you don't like this, you know what? Just throw your TV in the river. I mean, it's it's a good movie. All right. So, so I want to read. I want to. We just have a little bit of time left, so I want to read an Exodus one. Um. I want to read a little bit about this because we're going to talk about it a little bit in overtime to set us up for the next podcast that we're going to talk about Moses. So they have this famine. And so that is a long story, but that winds up getting Jacob and all the other sons to, and their families to Egypt. And so that's where they are when we get to Exodus chapter one. So, you know, I asked you guys to read the end of uh, Genesis and you'll, you'll get all that. So in verse five, Exodus one says the descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. And of course, Joseph was already in Egypt. So think about this. You're talking about 70 to 75 people that are the family of Jacob. And now they're in Egypt because of how bad this famine was, which, which is where they were. And so that's how they get there. And it said in verse six, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. So now we're talking about a long time has passed, but the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. And then it says a new king who did not know Joseph came to power in Egypt. And then it's going to start the next part of our story. But I, I wanted to read that because 
to set the stage for what happens next, because as we're going through Hebrews, you're also going through this history of the Jewish people. And it again, it continues to be amazing how the plan of God was developing through this whole process and what he was going to do, which was going to be bring the Messiah, Jesus. It always goes back to that. But this, like Jay said earlier, the details of the story are what makes makes it fascinating when you think about what these folks went through to get to this point. Yeah, exactly. So you got any other any other comments, Chase? Before well, we, uh, I just I just thought before we go to the overtime, what I found kind of interesting, which I know we I'm skipping ahead a little bit, that he, he mentions all these names, and you go through these stories and you find encouragement, like we said, that you know God can forgive you of anything and use you. But right. and there's a lot of great lines. You know, when we get to Moses, when he I love this statement in twenty seven when he said, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now what a statement yeah. that is. And we'll talk about that, you know, next time. But I also wanted to say that he used people's names all over and then all of a sudden when he gets down to verse thirty, he just throws in an event it made me think that it's like in my redneck mindset that it's like you have all these great men of faith and then it was like oh yeah let me throw in this story about the rednecks who went down there and defeated defeated a uh a fortress by marching around and blowing horns seven times you know <laughs> i mean i, I yeah. just thought it was interesting that it's like it wasn't just the people, which it was, but he throws in that event, which makes you think, huh. But as a believer in God, I know this. I mean, because we're all, you know, have our have our fears about government and, you know, government takeover and abuse of power and, you know, the authorities maybe getting out of line or whatever. We all have those fears, you know, but to to see... God act in that environment with a city and I mean I don't I don't know it it is a crazy story but it gives me a peace to know that no matter what happens in the country or politics and all that God is bigger and I think that's yeah. why he threw it in there yep you know what I mean it's yeah, possible it's a it's a great point and an encouraging way to end our podcast. Uh, if you want to follow us uh, over blazetv.com slash unashamed, uh, we're going to set the stage a little more for the next podcast, which we'll talk about Moses. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.